like if every single day you took just one opportunity to do good to somebody you see an opportunity you see a need you meet a need you see an opportunity you just do it it wouldn't be a lot of work would it it's like it takes a little bit of time just a little bit of attention to what's going on around us and I think that for all of us as we walk in the spirit that our lives will have more and more of these things that you're like yeah I never did that before Kids love to one-up each other. It doesn't matter if it's telling stories or playing on the playground. They want to be the best. Well, today, Pastor Daniel challenges you to outdo yourself. He encourages you to look for one opportunity to do good to someone every day. You don't do it so that you can have bragging rights, but to see God's goodness overflow into the lives of people around you. And the cool thing is that your life will change too. Now, Here's Pastor Daniel in Galatians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Crazy Happy Living. I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23, or 432, excuse me, it says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Isn't it a beautiful verse? Like you want to know how to treat people at your job? You want to know how to treat people at school? You want to know how you should treat people when you're commenting on an article or you see their Facebook post or whatever? You should say, hey, be kind to one another. And not only be kind, be tenderhearted to them. See, the reason we're unkind is because we're hard-hearted. People frustrate us, right? But really that kindness is a, t- a tenderheartedness. And then it says, and forgive one another And then he grounds this idea of kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness in even as God in Christ forgave you. So you see how Paul brings us right back again to why do we do this? Because this is what God did for us. God in Christ forgave us. God in Christ was kind to us. Not that we deserved it, but because God is kind at the essence of who he is. And God is still tenderhearted to us, even as we've been his enemies. And this is why I love following Jesus so much. Because our culture says, listen, if you do me wrong, I'll do you even more wrong. We have that kind of, that tit-for-tat kind of a mentality. That escalating kind of a way that we, that we move through the world. But Jesus says, no, 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 listen. I want you to be tenderhearted to one another. I want you to be kind to people. And I love it. Some friends of ours gave Lynn a shirt for Christmas that says kindness matters. And I love it because like I'm from New Jersey. So like kindness was not in my socialization. No, no. Not that it wasn't in my socialization. It's just like, you know, people are, when you think of people from New York, you think everyone's like, you know, they're mean, right? That's what people say. They're not mean. They're just exceedingly truthful. (laughs) Right? But what I realize is that that brutal truth is still unkind. Right? The Bible says we should speak the truth in love. So I remember when I came to know Jesus, I was really good at being really mean to people, but I didn't realize it. I was just like, you know, this is what it is. You know, just like kind of, and, and this, I was like, no, Dan, this, you're being mean. I'm not mean. And then I get married and my wife, Lynn, she, I love Lynn so much. She's the nicest, kindest person I've ever met. She's like, Daniel, that was so mean. I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know? But, but what I realized is that so like, I'm always hearing, hey, Daniel, kindness matters. 
You know, and, and how different would the testimony of the people of God be as if we actually spoke the truth in love with kindness? We weren't so busy trying to tell you because I believe in Jesus, this is the way that it, and, and, and we just kind of chilled out a little bit, trusting the Lord, being patient with people and saying, you know what? I'm gonna choose to be tenderhearted to you, even though I don't agree. It would change the world because kindness matters. And so it's quite simple. When you go to say something, ask yourself, is what I'm gonna say kind right now? Is there any harshness in it? And if there is harshness in it, don't say it. You get to choose what you're going to say. When you go to respond, say kindness matters. And I just want to just to drive this home one more quick second. It's easiest to be kind to the people we know the least. <laughs> Isn't it true? It's like when you just meet someone for the first time, you're like, oh, hi, it's so good to meet you. Oh, yeah, hi, yes, so nice. But it's hardest to be kind to the people who you know the most. Because there's all these cycles of ways that we interact with one another. It's well-worn. And here's what I want to encourage you, my dear brother and sister. Listen, be kind to the people you know the most. Start today to be extra kind to the people who it's so easy to be unkind to. And don't forget, all this is grounded is, listen, God knows you better than you know yourself. God, as the perfect father who's never sinned, has chosen to be in a relationship with ogres like you and me, <laughs> you know? And it's like, and he's kind to us. And so like, we wanna just take, the, receive that kindness from the Lord and then we wanna now pass it along. So man, how amazing would it be within families, you kids with your parents? I know your parents don't get it right now. That's what you think. And in some ways, you're right. One of the things I realized when I was younger, I didn't think my parents got it. And there were certain things I got and there were certain things I didn't get. But you know what? As a parent, my kids are like, there's certain things dad doesn't get right now. So either way, there's certain things they're doing right, but you can still be kind either way. And I'll be honest with you. It's a lot easier to have healthy discussions about the things that aren't right when, there's, when it's shrouded in kindness, isn't it? Say, listen, I love you. You're my mom. You're my child. Hey, listen, but can we just talk about this? And I just, I just want to understand and can we work through this? And how, how do we find common ground here? When you do that is instead of just being upset with one another and harsh with one another. So kindness matters. It really does. Now someone is bound to say, but Pastor Daniel, should I be kind to them if they're not kind to me? And the answer, my friend, is absolutely. Why? Because Jesus doesn't see, he says that we should return good for evil. That the believer should respond to cursings with blessings. See, again, it's so countercultural because really what the Bible is teaching us is because of who Jesus is, right, we get to cut off all of these cycles because now we don't need that person's kindness to choose kindness. We've already received it from the Lord, and so we just give it. We don't need them to, we, we go first because Jesus went first right? Jesus didn't need us to come to him. Jesus came from heaven's glory to earth on a rescue mission. So Jesus initiates. He is proactive and preemptive. And as his followers, we are also proactive and preemptive in kindness. And everybody in your world deserves Jesus's kindness as flowing through your life. And when we abide in Jesus, kindness happens because of who Jesus is. Now from there, and I can go on and on and on, you know I can, the next characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, I love it, goodness. I like that. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Now, I would say it this way. 
Goodness leads to repentance. Goodness leads to repentance. Now, when, when you think about the idea of goodness, goodness is kindness, but it's really kindness in action. It's talking about our words and our deeds. It, it's, it's us now taking all that is good and living it outward. A lot of people would say that the word goodness is also very closely linked in the words, uh, you know, uh, meaning with the idea of generosity. Now, we always think of generosity as financial or material generosity, but it speaks of a, a generosity of spirit, a generosity of personality. So if you think about it, the upward ones are love, joy, and peace. And, and, and then the inner person, the outward characteristics are now patience, kindness, and goodness. So really what it is, is God wants us, as we abide in Jesus, to say, my job in all of this is to be a, a force for good in people's lives. I want to be somebody who is generous with my time, generous with my attention. And I say that goodness leads to repentance because actually I'm just quoting Romans chapter two, verse four. And it's one of my very favorite verses where it says this, the apostle Paul, Romans two, four, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to what? Repentance. Now you, you see what he's saying here. He, Really, in Romans 2, Paul is having like a faux argument with someone who's arguing with him about his theology. And he's saying that, listen, when you're judging other people, really what you're doing is you're despising the riches of God's goodness and God's long-suffering and God's ability to bear with people. And he says, you know, and then he says, didn't you forget that it's God's goodness that leads you into repentance? So he's saying for the person who might be apt to judge another person because they don't agree with what they're doing, he's saying, listen, it's not the wrath of God that leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It's not the fact that God writes us off when we have made mistakes, but God is constantly pursuing us in his patience and his ability to bear with our follies and our issues and our, and, and our, and our ignorances. So God is constantly extending goodness to us and ultimately God's goodness overcomes our stubbornness and our hardness and then all of a sudden it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. How many times has God blessed you and your response was, I did not deserve this and you're moved to worship because you're like, I didn't deserve that, of course. And in the same way for the people of God, what we realize is that in the world in which we live, the message of Jesus falls on deaf ears because it's not being shared and embodied by a people who want to do good by people. It's more of like the church says, we need to fix you. And nobody, you ever, you ever meet someone who just chooses they're gonna fix you? You're like, well, who are you to fix me? Like, like let's see your perfect marriage right now right? Let's see your wonderful kids right now. Let's see your extra godly life right now. But really what our job is, is to display the goodness of God. And it's not saying that we don't address the sins, but we do that in patience and kindness and love and joy with a heart full of peace. And even though whatever someone's besetting struggles may be, we still treat them with generosity of spirit. And all of a sudden that does a work. And so we should be known for our generosity of spirit. 
We should be known by this. And of course, Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, where he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. And then he says, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I love that. He's saying, listen, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everybody. We are do-gooders. And we especially do it to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, sometimes we live in a day and age, especially today, people are like, no, listen, do good to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Those people outside, forget them. No, no, no. That's not what Paul's saying. That's not what Jesus ever said. As we have opportunity, we do good to everybody. And we especially do it to our family. Because he realized, not saying that you do your family at, at the expense of other people, but you realize who your family is. But then you spend your life doing good to all because the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Now, here's a simple question. What would it look like if every single day you took just one opportunity to do good to somebody? You see, an oppor- you see a need, you meet a need. You see an opportunity, you just do it. It wouldn't be a lot of work, would it? It's, it, like, it takes a little bit of time, just a little bit of attention to what's going on around us. And I think that for all of us, as we walk in the Spirit, that our lives will have more and more of these things that you're like, yeah, I never did that before. I remember when I, when I made the decision that I was, at the time I was a young believer, I was living in uh, San Francisco and obviously San Francisco has a, has a pretty significant homeless population, you know? Um, and I remember I was gonna just, I'd make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I'd put them in Ziploc bags and I'd leave them in my car. Because you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches will last forever anyway, you know? And so literally I'd go and I'd see, and, 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 and at that point there was a lot of people, you'd have to stop at a stop sign and there'd be people on the corners and I'd just give them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, and I'm like, I'm just going to be good to them. Give them a sandwich. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's amazing how the number of times they just say, thank you so much. Something so simple. Two pieces of bread and peanut butter and jelly. You know? But it's so different than the alternative where you have people who are hungry and we're just like, looking, look right past them. Oh, look at them. Oh, look down on them. You know, I remember I started serving a lot when I was living in, the, in San Francisco. I started serving a lot in the Tenderloin area there. And it was, we'd go on Saturdays and we'd help at uh, these different uh, ministries there. We'd be feeding people. And, and because I was a pastor, they'd let me sit with the folks and just talk with them. And it's amazing the stories you hear. You know, I'm aware of the fact that when I was in my darkest days, because I had a strong support network in my family, I hadn't burned all those bridges, how much that helped me. But you realize that people because of broken families, lost loved ones, obviously mental health issues, addictions, all these different things that go on, people end up in rough situations. I'm always reminded that if I fell on hard times, I have a huge big church family, that if I needed help, people would help me, you know? But I realize a lot of people don't have that support network for all different reasons, not just because of their mistakes, but because of the mistakes of people that people make. And you just realize like, oh man, it, it's, we have a tendency if we broad brush a whole group of people in a bad way we completely miss out on the real story and when you're driven by goodness now all of a sudden you start making a bunch of different decisions because now you're like actually I'm not going to let the politics the media tell me how to deal with this I'm going to say Holy Spirit what, what would you have me do what does goodness look like to this person and what's amazing is is goodness leads to repentance not judgment not wrath but God's goodness flowing through our lives. Now, from there, the next one, and now we move into the last three characteristics, which are primarily inward. They're things that 
God wants to form into our characters, into our, into our identities, into who we are. Now, obviously, the stuff that's inward affects outward and upward. It's all integrated. But it is interesting because the next one is, it says the, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Now, I love this. I would say it this way. Brothers and sisters, we need to be faithful like your father. And I mean your heavenly father. Because I realize not everyone had faithful dads. But you need to be faithful like your father in heaven because God is always faithful. Now, when you think of what does the word faithful mean or faithfulness, it literally means that a person is someone who you can rely upon. There's a trustworthiness to them. There is a reliability to who they are. All through the scriptures, it's, it's used as a description in a positive way of uh, great servants, of people who have the confession of Jesus. People of great character are known as being faithful. And it's the word faith in the Greek, it's the word pistis, but it's now faith as, as an adjective, as a quality. So really God wants us to be faithful because God is faithful. I think of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, where it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, he cannot deny himself. So one thing that you have to know about your father in heaven is that he is the most reliable, trustworthy person you'll ever meet. He is always there for you. No matter how far you stray and you turn back to him, he's never like, yep, nope, I'm over you. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to the promises he makes. He's faithful to fulfill the things he said he's gonna fulfill. I love that verse in Philippians chapter one that we can be confident of this very thing that he who started a good work will be faithful to complete it in you until the coming of Jesus. I love that verse. Then no matter what goes on, God is gonna be faithful to do that work of transforming me into Christ's likeness every day. Even when I'm faithless, he's still faithful. And God wants the people of God to be expressions of his faithfulness. And, and really, here's what I wanna tell you. Faithfulness, it has to be something that is in your heart before it's ever in your actions. You know, like, we have a tendency to look at someone's actions and say, oh, look at what they did. But it really, long before somebody does anything outwardly, they have to be it inwardly. You know, like, so if, if, if somebody stole your car, you'd be like, oh, man, I didn't know they were a car thief. It's like, no, they were a car thief already. Just a matter when your car got to be the target. And so God wants to do a work, and faithfulness is a choice. Now, can I just be super honest with you? Faithfulness is in super short supply today. Because faithfulness is long-suffering in relationship and in action. Faithfulness to God, faithfulness to the people around us, being somebody who your yes is yes and your no is no. You're a person who of integrity that if you don't do it, you know what I mean? Then you're gonna apologize. Like, hey, listen, I know you were relying on me. Please forgive me. Like, but we should be the kind of people that when we say we're gonna be there, we're there. When, when, when we say, listen, this is what I'm going to do, then there's an old saying, my word is my bond. Now you have to have like 87-page contracts. There used to be like a handshake was good enough. Not anymore, right? And really, God is faithful, but left up to our own devices, faithfulness is hard to come by because faithfulness for many of us is something that is situational, but it's not for God. So God wants to do a work of faithfulness. Now, what I would tell you is that right now in every single one of our lives, there are opportunities for us to practice faithfulness. But here's what I want to tell you. In our 
I'll only do it if it's fun kind of a culture. A lot of the things that we need to be faithful in are not that much fun. Like, it's hard to be faithful. But here's what I want to tell you, brother and sister, listen. It's way harder not to be faithful. Like, if you choose unfaithfulness, it will be harder for you. There's a research coming out now about, you know, uh, about uh, people who get divorced. And I realize that, you know, not every divorce is, is sinful. Sometimes there's really huge issues that marriages get violated and all these things. Jesus spoke about that. But five years later, almost 80% of the people who got divorced wish they hadn't. It's amazing. Like, like they thought it'd be better on the other side. It's not better on the other side. You know, that's why I've been reading a little bit about this, about the different stages of the spiritual life for people. And I've been reading a lot about middle age because, well, I am. And, and, and I'm, I'm seeking to understand it as I'm embarking on this, this journey in my mid-40s right now. And I'm seeing, you know, things change. And what's amazing is they were, I was reading this whole thing about uh, the spirituality of the mid- midlife crisis. And really, it's funny what, what these theologians were saying. They were saying that part of what goes on in the midlife crisis is that when you get established, you have a family, you have a career, at some point you realize it's not as fulfilling as you thought it would be. And you miss the honeymoon of things when they were young and without, without uh, you didn't have all these responsibilities. And so what people do is they want to flee back to their teenage years, hoping that it's going to get there. But then they were talking about all the research about people who do that kind of stuff, how they're way more miserable. Because you actually, you couldn't find it the first go around. What makes you think you're going to find it the second go around? You can't. It's a fool's errand, but we do it. People do it. I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's like, I've had four midlife crises. He told me. I'm like, well, what do they look like? He's like, oh, I bought two sports cars. He had all these different things that he did on each one. He's like, I'm, on, I'm like, are you, in, are you going for your fifth one? He's like, nah, I just waste a lot of money. I don't get what I'm looking for, you know? But he was, you know, he was faithful to his spouse in the midst of it. But like for many of you right now, that's what you're going through. You know, maybe, you know, in your marriage, there's somebody at work who they treat you all nice and they really think, you know, that they're really making you feel special, but it's not your spouse. You got to stop that. Because it's really easy for them to think you're special because they don't even know you. (laughs) Was that unkind? I'm sorry. Kindness matters. (laughs) Oh, pray for me. But it's the truth though, isn't it? And it's like, it's like, it's really easy until you know them, you know what I mean? And it's like, but we have to remember that faithfulness is a choice. You know, and I'll be honest with you, for me, every day I'm like, Lord, I want to be faithful to you, Jesus, because you're faithful to me. And Lord, I want to be a faithful husband. I want to be a faithful dad. And I want to be a faithful pastor. And I want to be a faithful friend. I want to be the kind of person that I'm reliable, steady. I do what I say. I say what I'm going to do. There's not like, man, I thought they were going to do this and they did the exact opposite. Like, like, I want that because I know that's who my Father in Heaven is. And I think God wants that for you as well. He's faithful. He wants you to be faithful. And He wants to make you faithful by His faithfulness. But faithfulness is in our hearts first before it's in action. I think for some of us, that's why you just got to pray. Like, Lord, make me faithful in this season. Jesus is Thanks for staying with us today as Pastor Daniel continued to unpack God's design for the crazy, happy life he wants you to have. You learned more about a few of the characteristics that flow out of your life as you walk close to the Lord. One of these was faithfulness. Pastor Daniel urged you to ask God to help you be more faithful in every area of your life. 
Then you'll be trustworthy and reliable in your relationships, your responsibilities, and your commitments. Hey, everyone. There's a lot happening in the world, and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life, and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at jesusisrealradio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will look at the last of the fruit of the Spirit that marks the life of someone who's abiding in the Lord. He'll talk about how everybody is fragile in different ways. We all need a little more gentleness in our lives. Pastor Daniel will invite you to explore how gentleness can shift the dynamics of your relationships by bringing care, calm, and safety. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Crazy Happy. Until then, may God bless.